0: All right, I'm gonna kick it off. Ready? Yeah. No pun intended. Episode five. We have Hans news. Hans drama. <laughs> we talk about our own being triggered in chess. The worst, the worst we've ever done. And we're talking about how to beat higher-rated play opponents and lower-rated opponents. What are strategies? Kind of things you should be thinking about when you enter the game. Uh, but first, let's talk about a bunch of free courses that we offer. Uh, We have just put out a few new ones, actually. So I think our most popular free course is the Chesco's Blueprint. This is kind of our study plan, 12 weeks for rapid improvement. And we sell a bunch of these, give away a bunch of these. And people seem to really like it. that was our initial study plan that we had. Like we were selling these for a while. We talked about this in the first episode. We eventually converted it to a free product. And now we kind of change it up into an actual course you can study for free. Um, do, you know, do you know how many people signed up for last month? It was like a couple hundred, right?
1: I think we're averaging about 200 new signups every month for that free study plan course, the Chess Blueprint.
0: Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And we have... For all of our paid courses, you can try it out for free. And, like, if you don't like it, you don't obviously don't have to buy it. But we also have quick starts. So, we have uh, a quick start for our KaroCon, which is probably our bestseller. We have a quick start for Dynamics Love, and these are all free. And we just released a quick start for the French and put a full video on YouTube. Was that just today or yesterday?
1: Yeah, yep. That just went out, and that's about one hour long. And the two course authors, Justin and Lucas, did an awesome job. Covers everything, 10 lines.
0: Yep. And you get, uh, if you do the, the quick start, you can download the PGN. So if you want to like drill that opening in Chessable or something, can plug it right in. Uh, we also have a couple full-on free courses as well. This don't have like a extended version, but a Vienna course. Um, this is after e4 e5 we take you through an entire repertoire so as uh you and justin working on it and there's like quite a bit i think there's two hours of video um you know
1: yeah two hours of video and i think six lessons according to the page i want to say it's four chapters that we organize it so it's about 40 lines
0: yeah, and then we also have Smithy's minis. <laughs> uh, I like that one. It's just a bunch of uh, miniatures in our discord. We love to show miniatures, just like our opponent hanging a queen or, you know, we get some beautiful tactic in the first few moves. Um, one of my favorite that I get a lot in the Carol con is uh, when, uh, I don't know if you remember the line, but they, we allow them to capture our queen, but then we get the queen back with check and then we get a piece at the end of it. So like the game's over before we started. Um, if you're in the discord, those have been posted a lot. Um, and then if you want to buy a course, we have all kinds of uh, paid courses as well. HeroCon, Slav, Banco, Sicilian, E4, D4. What else have? we have? <laughs> we have Nimzo,
1: Queens Indian. Have <laughs> yeah, there's a lot
0: out there. Yeah, and if you want to buy it all in one fell swoop, we'll have the Lifetime Bundle. And that'll get you everything for a premium price. Um, Hans Neiman News. Hans has been uninvited from the St. Louis Chess Club. Uh, let me read the official announcement in case anyone somehow has missed this. Uh, a statement from the chess, St. Louis Chess Club. This is what they posted on Twitter. The St. Louis Chess Club is committed to providing a world-class environment for all levels of chess players to play and enjoy chess. At our competitive tournaments, participants are expected to adhere to an agreement that outlines expectations of the players, including a code of conduct. After consideration of recent events, the St. Louis Chess Club has made the difficult decision not to extend an invitation to GM Hans Nieman to participate in any invitational tournaments organized by the club in 2024, the whole year. This decision was based on uh, GM Hans Nieman's demonstrated inappropriate behavior, including damaging private property, rude comments, and an uncooperative attitude resulting in a failure to fulfill contractual obligations. This decision was not made lightly, and we hope that this serves as an, uh, as an opportunity for GM Hans to experience personal reflection and growth. We will reevaluate the the this determination for events in future years, assuming notable progress is achieved. End of statement. And there's a lot to unpack there. Um, initial thoughts.
1: I was shocked when I saw this because it did sort of seem to come out of nowhere. Um yeah. And as far as I was aware, he wasn't banned previously. And there wasn't any recent event that caused them to put out this statement. So I think the shock value of this is what surprised a lot of people. Just where did this come from and why is Hans not allowed all of a sudden?
0: Yeah, I agree. It makes no like nothing has really changed in the last, what, four or five months with Hans. I mean, he's he's streaming a little more, I guess he's in the public eye a little more. Did he just won Title Tuesday or something like that? Uh, But I can't think of what would prompt them to come out with a statement now. Maybe it's just something that they have been thinking about for a while. Um, But Hans did put out a video on Twitter kind of giving his take on this. And I think he also just published it on his YouTube channel as well. And the biggest one, the biggest takeaway from that video is that he did admit at least my biggest takeaway is he did admit admit to destroying a hotel room <laughs> mm-hmm. and that is a little crazy to me. I can't imagine a scenario any scenario where I just dis- like I destroy my hotel room like I break a I break a TV, I punch a wall. I can't imagine myself getting that amped up over basically anything. To destroy we were just talking about uh, before we came live i could probably go to a poker room and like lose my house and i wouldn't punch the hotel like yeah I would, I would i can't think i just can't even put get in that headspace uh so i wonder if there is some i don't know serious psychological stuff that he is really dealing with at least was dealing with at the time um but yeah that that's kind of dark stuff <laughs>
1: I think Evan brings up a good point in the chat. He said, Hans said he planned to release communication with the club, which probably prompted the club to issue their public statement. So kind of beating Hans to the punch and getting out there with a public statement before uh, Hans did.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Another thing he he covered in his statement was he said that um, this ban has been farther than just this year. They haven't extended... Uh, and invite to America's brightest young talent in like six months, like dating back basically to the to where it all began, uh where uh, Magnus accused him in not and not these words, but basically accused him of cheating or having some kind of help. um My take on this is a few things. It could be a few things. One, St. Louis Chess Club really wants Magnus there and they will do kind of anything to make sure that Magnus shows up. Part of that is taking a hard stance on Hans can never be here again to get Magnus. I think that makes financial sense for them. And uh, you want to, I don't know, you want you want to be buddy-buddy with the best player in the world who brings the best draw. And if that means making an enemy out of Hans Niemann, who cares?
1: Another way to look at it too is an event like the Sinkfield Cup there's going to be multiple super GMs that may not want to play with Hans. Like we've already heard multiple super GMs suspicious of players online. Yeah. It's possible that three or four players in any given invitation who are over 2750 are saying, I don't want to play with Hans. And if that's the case, they have to make a tough decision.
0: Yeah. I can see that too. Um, another. Another take on this is they're being honest. This is the truth. <laughs> uh, he destroyed a hotel room he can't be relied on. I kind of don't think that's the most likely explanation. I don't think they're, I don't think they're, it's the type of thing where like, yeah, we just can't trust him to fulfill contractual obligations. The The reading of this letter is a bit vague, like rude comments, uncooperative attitude. Uh, these are just like wishy-washy terms that they just kind of like throw on the pile. I don't really give any uh, heed to that at all. Um, another thing, another potential possibility here is that they know more than we have learned about the whole situation, the whole cheating situation. I wonder if Magnus gave them something or if they have come to believe that Hans has used some sort of assistant over the assistance over the board at some point, and they don't want to take that risk. I think that's, A bit insane to think that he would do it again now in st louis um that's a possibility i think that's that one's i don't know maybe more likely than they just don't can't rely on him the thing is he is a huge draw too like he outside of maybe magnus hikaru Fabi, especially in the u.s a lot of people are very interested in hans
1: (laughs) yeah and i was kind of reading between the lines on that last paragraph It does make it sound like a big part of it is maybe he's, you know, not only is he destroying a hotel room and being accused by Magnus, but maybe he's super unreliable, right? So if you have an invitational tournament, you want to make sure everybody shows up and they show up on time and they fulfill their contracts and all the different things. If someone's really unreliable, there's a lot of other chess players out there that are 2,700. There's a lot of other strong juniors sure you might be higher rated or younger than some other players or a combination, but there's not a lack of players to invite, I guess, you know, coming from the perspective of the club.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of competition to get into these tournaments. So if there's, you know, if there's someone who's just like, yeah, a lot of like maybe Nepo, DACA match, like, yeah, we don't really want to play Hans, please don't invite him. Or I don't think I'm going to show up. What what are they going to do? Of course they're going to say no. Um, And it's an invitation. So they get to choose who they invite
1: I mean, um, think about it this way. What if it was Ferrugia instead of Hans? Yeah. And the club said Ferrugia's banned. I don't think that even hurts the club that much, right? Like sure we would like to see Ferrugia in your events, but there's so many other top players. It's if it's it's like if Magnus doesn't play or Hikaru doesn't play, that's a big deal. Maybe Fabiano, but outside of those three, I think you could ban one individual player and no one's really gonna care. And no one's gonna yeah. miss them.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, because these, these big tournaments happen all the time, and there's a big name missing. Like, the the whole chess circuit went on for basically the last year without the world champion, Ding Liren. He just played his first tournament, like, last week. It was Tata Steel in, in Norway, and, you know, he's maybe not, like, the biggest draw or the most popular or anything like that, but he's still, like, a big name that's been missing, and Firuja has taken a bunch of time off, too. Um, it's kind of, like, after the candidates last year, he didn't play a whole lot. And things just go on. And so I don't think the chess world is out of, you know, being robbed of entertainment if they invite, I don't know, someone like, I don't know, Shaq or something instead of Hans Niemann. Um, So that leads me to my next question. What is the most triggered you've been in chess? Have you ever destroyed a hotel room?
1: (laughs) You know, I think I've slammed my mouse before, (laughs) like 10 years ago. But honestly, I think the most triggered I got, I didn't do anything outrageous, but I was playing in a unrated chess league. It's called the Twin Cities Chess League. And you have teams of four. So I was on board one out of four. And I was playing a FIDE master. Mm -hmm. And the time control was 90 minutes with a five second delay. I think I've told you this story before. And we're playing and we get into a time scramble. And I had... Like a knight in three pawns and he had a knight in two pawns or something like that. And we trade down essentially to where he has a knight in one rook pawn and I have a knight in two pawns and I'm pushing for the win. And if he has to sack his knight for my one pawn, I'm able to win the game. So it's like either I win or I draw, there's no way I possibly lose this game, right? And we're both down to like a minute each. Or maybe he had three minutes, I had one. But I'm like, I got the five second delay. I play a lot of blitz, 3-0. I can play every move in five seconds, no problem. So we're playing, and then the next thing I know, I thought I had one minute. Next thing I know, he goes, flag. I was like, flag? What are you talking about? I'm instantly playing, and I can never lose this game, but you have one pawn on the board. What do you mean, flag? Mm -hmm. He goes, your flag fell. And I'm thinking, "Mm, there's a five delay, like something's fishy here. And I said, well, let me check the clock. It's his clock. And it's the same clock that I own. So I go through all the settings in the clock. He had it set up so that we start with 90 minutes and five seconds and the delay of zero. Uh-huh. It's so a typical mistake on that type of clock. He didn't do it intentionally. But part of me was like, you're a fide master. You've been playing chess forever. And you're going to take this win because you have one pawn on the board when the clock was set wrong. But according to official USCF rules, the result just stands like it's on me to notice that there wasn't the five delay. Wow, but I got is... really heated because it was, you know, a team match. And I'm thinking, like, if I were him, I would have at least said, let's agree to a draw. Right. Like, it's my clock. I made a mistake. I don't want to take a win away or, you know, yeah. I don't know, it changed the outcome of the match, too. I was so upset, but I didn't do anything about it. I just he could tell I was pretty ticked off.
0: Well, yeah, you had a reason to be, especially if it's his clock. Did he set it before?
1: Yeah, he set it, and he just didn't know how to set it.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's really rough. I So what would you do in that situation if you're playing a game and you do recognize it? What's the protocol? Do you pause the clock and get the Yeah,
1: pa- pause the clock, let the TD know, and the standard thing to do would be just add the delay right there, I believe.
0: Um, okay, so you don't, like, add, add five seconds per move or anything like that? I think you probably could.
1: I don't think you would at that point, but I don't know. I actually don't know for sure what the ruling is, but I think you just add the delay Um, because one of the big reasons that they have delay is because back when there were analog clocks, you would get a lot of time scrambles and issues that were difficult for the TD, like insufficient losing chances and those sort of claims. The Mm -hmm. delay just takes care of that because you say, okay, you got five seconds, you can finish the game. Five-minute move. Yeah, I think think they would just add it.
0: I think that's a Bobby Fisher thing. I think he... Yeah, introduced the delay time control. I don't think that was the thing before Bobby Fisher.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. There's because they call it like Fisher time control sometimes.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, we have a few comments. Uh, interesting. The letter does seem a little like a smoke screen. I kind of agree. It's another good point. Maybe it's a message to other organize, basically just signaling that they have the receipts on Hans. I don't mm-hmm. know. That could be total speculation, but I could I don't know. I could kind of see it. Uh, don't get to be, you don't get to FM by resigning, resigning with a pawn left. Yeah. Thanks. You gotta, you gotta it's get unrated. Every, <laughs> you gotta squeeze every point. I was in an unrated game. Yeah. Oh, what? I didn't know that. Yeah. It was a, with w. It,
1: Yeah. It was a team match. So they don't use ratings just because sometimes it, you know, makes more sense to agree to a draw and things like that for your team. They just oh, decide to have it unrated.
0: Oh man. That's tough. Um, well, at least you didn't lose a rating points over it, but still, I'd be angry. Um, I, yeah. okay. This is a deep pull now, but I remember we both ch- took the chess personality quiz. Uh, this is like early on. And one of the questions was, have you ever broken your mouse? And you said, yes. Did I? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Pro tip. If you're prone to throw your mouse, get a corded mouse. Ah. Cause then it can't go too far. Also, the batteries don't run out when you're in the middle of a time scramble about to win.
0: All right, we were talking about this before we came out, but okay, Matt, you're staying in a Holiday Inn Express. You have a stranger knocks on your door and says, I will give you a million dollars if you do $50,000 worth of damage in the next minute. Go. What are you doing?
1: I mean... You got to try to flood it first of all. Like get the water running first, I think. Um you should probably be prepared. Like you should know in your mind just in case this is going to happen. Like do they have an iron in the closet? Uh, you yep. know something, you know something that you could start a fire with. But I'd say flood or fire first options, of course. Um after that maybe putting a hole in the drywall or multiple
0: yeah, I think you you start with drywall because that's just like an easy like two, three grand off the top because uh, you got to get someone in there, the repair, it's a business, so they're going to upcharge them. And then I think you got to go for the toilet. So you smash the toilet. That's a big bill already. One, yeah. toilets cost money. Got to get a plumber in there. You got to reseat it, got to reseal it. Then you just got to hope that you're on like the... The second or third... Oh, we have the answer in the chat. Ding, that's ding, a great ding, answer. Josh.
1: That's 100% it. <laughs> Didn't even does think the, of it.
0: Does the room have a sprinkler system? Bam, there's the answer. All you got to do is break that little red thing.
1: You only need and- five seconds. Just hit that and run.
0: <laughs> great, answer. Yeah. This is why we do these lives We get all these uh, great additions in the chat. Um, yeah, I was going to say, you got to hope you're on like the second or third floor so all that water uh, pours down. Uh, I remember... This is this is not on topic. But I remember uh, one of my old coworkers. Uh, I don't even remember who it was, but they were living in an apartment, and they said, "Yeah, we uh, our apartment flooded, and so I had to move out, and the whole building is evacuated because there's water damage everywhere, and they're trying to figure out what happened." And so, like, they're uh, they're uh, just staying in airbnbs hotels living out of the you know their suitcase looking for a permanent housing situation they finally get an update from the landlord for how the flooding happened and Mm -hmm. someone went away on vacation for like you know a month and left their cat there (laughs) and their cat somehow drained or uh, plugged the drain in their sink and turned the water on and then just left (laughs) and so the stupid cat flooded an entire apartment building. Everyone's homeless.
1: Um, was the cat's name bandit?
0: <laughs> bandit, that'd be a good name for a cat that floods the entire maybe, world.
1: Maybe he'd be part of the wet bandits from Home Alone. <laughs>
0: there you go. The wet that bandit. was their thing. They
1: would flood their house when they would leave.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Start the water running. Home Alone Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's a nice that's a nice reference there. I didn't get it at first, but I get an M.
1: Thanks. That's why you got to keep those cats outdoors and any cat owners.
0: Yeah, I have five. I have five outdoor cats, and they're great cats. We like them a lot, and they're so easy. Um,
1: what are the right, names of your cats?
0: Uh, yeah, so they're named after players on the wild. So we have Flurry, Kaprizov, Eriksinek, uh, two others, Zuccarello, and totally blankly. oh
1: boy i shouldn't have put you on the spot cat let me try again
0: a... let me try again we have flurry caprizov zuccarello Eric Zinek, and what?
1: watch josh come in the chat with your fifth cat like out of nowhere
0: and boldy boldy is the last one <laughs> we can fix this in post <laughs> we can fix it in post yeah we'll try to fix it in post <laughs> just move Boldy's... your
1: mouth and we'll add the audio <laughs>
0: Uh, I have never been super triggered in chess to answer my own question. I've never broken a mouse. I've never really done anything. I just get disappointed. Like, oh, I should have really converted that, but then I just hit rematch or new three-minute and don't think about
1: it. So um, what's the what's the most extreme thing you've done because you were sad? Like, do you ever just eat a pint of ice cream or something <laughs> after playing chess?
0: Um, No. You know, sometimes I've, I've had like really... Uh, tough over the board games and, uh, like I lose or something and I come back and I'm just so exhausted, like so Mm. wiped. And I, you don't have that adrenaline dump from winning. And so you can't like falsely put your like bring yourself back up. Um, so I just like go home, eat something like after dinner even, and then just go to bed. But that's about as extreme as I get.
1: (laughs) You know, I think for me, the best thing is walking around and talking with somebody like oh, Preston Jay really? and I did this in Chicago some you know we had a couple tough games and like we'd get together and analyze games or go for a walk or something that's always nice like it's just takes your mind off of chess for a little bit okay but I have a version of the question for you then okay. you get very nervous playing over the board chess can you recall what's the most nervous you've been for an OTB game mm,
0: the most nervous I've been like before the game
1: yeah before or during
0: I think the most nervous I've ever been, um, Who I can't even remember who my opponent was, but I was playing a, a five-round round-robin tournament, or not round-robin tournament, Swiss tournament, and uh, I had won my first four games. So I had beaten two players that were lower rated than me, one player that was maybe like 100 points lower rated, so it was maybe like a 600 and then an 800. Then my next opponent was maybe like a 13 or 1400. And I think I was around 1400 at the time. And in my round four game, I got paired up against the 1700 and I ended up beating him. Um, and then in round five, I had a whole lot riding on this game. Cause I knew if I won, I would get the uh, like the bonus and it's a five, a five round tournament. So it's a really big bonus. And I can't remember who I was playing, but it was someone right around my rating. And, um, Oh, you know, I think it was, I can't remember remember who it was now, but um, it was a really tough game and uh, I ended up winning. So that's how I gained, I think I gained like 150 rating points that game and I hit my peak. I was at 15, like 1580 or something like that. I'm looking
1: it up right now. Here we go. March 2022, Swiss. You scored first place four and a half out of five.
0: Did I get a round one bye?
1: Round one, half point by. Yeah. Okay,
0: that's where it was then. Okay.
1: And it was your last round opponent.
0: Yeah, so it must have been Tim. It
1: uh, looks like it was Eric Flynn. White man, no, okay.
0: Eric. Totally misremembering. Does it say how many points I gained that tournament?
1: You went from fourteen fifty-eight to fifteen eighty-two.
0: Oh yeah, so one hundred and forty points or something like that. Yeah. It's a solid that's- tournament. Um, but I've been I've been really nervous mid game in other games. There was one time I was playing um, uh, someone ra- rated about eight hundred, and I had a really good position. And then I totally just blundered. I moved my rook to a square that was attacked, and I just lost an exchange just like that. And my opponent was really close to just ending the game, like trading stuff off. But he fell into a checkmate. <laughs> and so I, I mated him with my H palm. I played H4 mate. <laughs>
1: That's so cool. Yeah. I think there, there's this form of chess that we should try at the chess club. You just made me think of it. Um, I think they used to call it capped chess, like before the term cap was popular. But essentially, what you would do is you would take a piece of tape, and the stronger player had to put the piece of tape on one of their pieces. And there was some algorithm for which piece to put it on. Okay, if you lost that piece, you lost the game as the stronger player. Did you know what piece? Also needed to deliver the checkmate with that piece. So the mating with the h pawn made me think of it because sometimes you'd have a pawn captain be like, you gotta not only not lose this h pawn the whole game, but the h pawn has to deliver the mate. So sometimes you'd have like two rooks left, and you would try to hustle the king all the way over to the g file and guard h8 and then mate him with the h pawn or you like you had to be very mm-hmm. creative to win those games
0: did both players know which piece was taped
1: yeah yep
0: so if it, if it was a pawn how do, how do you protect your pawn the whole game you could just sack your queen for the pawn
1: you just had to very quickly get your pieces out in front of it
0: that's crazy yeah you basically can't give up a check at any point with the Queen because you could be able to put yourself in position. to. Wow. Yeah,
1: it was okay. it was pretty crazy.
0: We'll have to try that against each other. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next YouTube video. Yeah. Uh, most nervous... This is from Chad. Most nervous I've been was when I decided to play the King's Gambit in the Chicago Open. It was a slow game and every move was critical, so it was nerve-wracking. I'm too old for that opening. <laughs> How can it be a sl- oh a slow a slow game time control wise? I see. Oh man, that sounds crazy. You see, dunkaroos
1: uh, above his. I used to have literal shaking legs in front of class, having to do presentations. Super embarrassing.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Most nervous is when I'm playing someone that I don't really care for, and the thought of losing to them is an instant mental deficit of a hundred elo, dude. <laughs> That's real. That is real. Uh, <laughs>
1: and Cody says okay, if the h pawn is captured but later the g pawn no so you if you if that h pawn is captured you lose so you can't replace it with another pawn
0: all right we have a, an old post and i think video on this that took off a while ago where you went over how to beat different like level or different rated opponents so if you're playing someone higher rated than you there are, there are things you can do to try to swing the game in your favor without really doing anything special, like prepping a special opening or doing anything crazy. So what are you looking to do when you're playing someone, say, like 100 points higher than you, 400 points higher than you, or maybe like 1,000 points higher, higher than you?
1: Yeah, this is a very fun topic. Um, I have a book by Axel Smith called Black and White Magic. And Axel Smith has written a couple of really good books. He wrote the Pump Up Your Rating book, which I think is more geared towards advanced players like 1,700 plus, The Woodpecker Method, which is probably any rating, you know, 1,000 plus. He has one called Black and White Magic. Oh, and then the other one that he has is called Street Smart Chess. Actually, this is where it comes from, Street Smart Chess. In that book, he talks about all these different scenarios. If you're higher and you want to win, if you're lower and you want to win, if you want to avoid draws, blah, 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 blah. A lot of his thoughts combine with kind of how I've thought about these things myself. So, you know, how we've talked about in the past, how you want to think about what's your expected score in the position. And if your expected score is very high because you're close to winning, do you want to increase the variance or reduce the variance?
0: Yeah. If you, if you're expected to win, you want to reduce the variance.
1: Yeah. So That's a very general statement because we're not talking about the two ratings of the players. So you're kind of assuming the players are the same rating. Now, think about it this way. You and I sit down at the board, and let's say we have a 500-point rating gap. I'm expected to score pretty highly against you, right? So do you want higher or lower variance games against me?
0: Extremely high variance.
1: Yeah. So that's a huge tip and Magnus Carlsen agrees with this. So if you're a lower rated player, I would say if it's a 100 point difference, you can kind of just play your game. But if it's let's say 3 400 points for the lower rated player, you want a very high variance game. You want a lot of chaos and increase the chances for both sides to blunder. Because the problem with playing a very solid game when your opponent's quite a bit stronger than you is they're going to tend to be stronger than you in almost all areas of chess. And the longer the game goes, the more likely the lower-rated player is going to make the decisive mistake. Because we all know, we all have like sort of our average centipon loss ranges per game. That higher player is not going to give up much centipawn loss per move compared to the lower-rated player. Okay, so you want to attack when you're lower-rated. Attack, attack, attack. Make games chaotic. That's the best way to beat a higher-rated now, let's flip it. If you're the higher rated player, what do you think you want to do?
0: Play the London.
1: Play the London. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. So one thing you could say is maybe try to keep a calm game, but it goes a little deeper than that. If you're the higher rated player, the first thing you want to do is avoid people that are super booked up. Because if you're if you and your opponent go into 20 moves deep of Sicilian Nidorf theory. Not only could you get caught in some crazy variation that they just have memorized and they haven't used their chess abilities yet outside of memorization, you also shorten the length of the rest of the game. So you want to have a lot of game on the, a lot of game left to be played, a lot of options on the table. So the first thing you want to do is get out of opening theory. You want to be the player that surprises your opponent first when you're higher rated. And that can even mean like, let's say you're playing black your opponent goes e4. You could play like b6 or a6, something like that, where all of a sudden your opponent already is saying, I don't even know what opening we're in, right? And all of their opening theory goes out the window, that's gonna really throw them off. The next thing you want to do is create imbalances. So even though we don't want a position where that lower-rated player is just relentlessly attacking us, we do want some imbalances. Because as the higher-rated player, what you can do is hone in on those imbalances, right? So one thing I really like to do if I'm playing someone, let's say, 200, 300 points below me, I like to play an opening like the Karolkhan Hour. We accept that doubled pawn straight out of the opening. And if all the major pieces trade off, that king and pawn endgame is very bad for black because white is a potential passer. Mm
0: -hmm. But what
1: tends to happen is... I know the imbalances of the Tartic and I know how to use those double pawns. White's pawns get stuck on the queen side, they start to make their own weaknesses, long-term I can play with those imbalances. Or you can look for exchange sacrifices, sac a pawn for mobility, the initiative. Um, and I think the most important ones to play with are the initiative and, and active pieces. So those are the main tips, higher rated. Get them out of that opening theory play for those imbalances and really just hammer, 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 imbalance, imbalance, imbalance.
0: Yeah. And on the move to move basis, if you're on the, if you're on the side where you should be scoring really well, I think you, you want to choose lines that gives your opponent many options to go wrong. You probably mm-hmm. should, should not be initiating really any trades unless it really gives you something. And you probably shouldn't be going down forcing variations. Like if it's better to like, Play a check and there's only like one move that saves the position or something, but it's equal. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe you just kind of like put that in your back pocket. On the other hand, you want to flip that. So if you're maybe 400 points lower rated, maybe you choose more forcing variations. I wouldn't say like make trades that are no good for you, but maybe if you can um, play some move that like guarantees guarantees an equal trade of a couple minor pieces, that may be in your favor too. Um, yeah, so lots of lots of things to think about. And chess is so so much more than just moving the pieces. It's, it goes deeper and deeper.
1: I'm glad you mentioned trades because Axel Smith did make an interesting point about trades. And I don't know if I agree with this. So I'm curious to hear what you think. Oh, okay. He says if you're the lower rated player, you should avoid trades, which is counterintuitive because your stronger opponent is only likely to trade with you if it's advantageous for them. So his point is like, you don't understand why the trade might be bad. So in general, you should not look to trade too quickly.
0: Um, I don't know, because that never gives you the option to make a good move, like make a good trade, you know?
1: I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you.
0: Yeah, I can see where he's coming from, but it's just like, just because someone is rated 300 points higher than you, doesn't mean that they're going to never make a mistake or that you can't capitalize on a mistake. We played games together, I mean, you beat me almost every game, but there's there's games where I get in a good position, even if you beat me after, and sometimes that involves making some trade. We're, what, 700 points apart? So it's a big difference.
1: Well, you have beat me in a lot, quite a few blitz games over the board. Like when you come over to my house, you've had some really good blitz games against me. Usually in some sort of weird Benoni, you just start crushing me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's so a I agree thing with you. Play.
1: Yeah, play your best chess.
0: Yes, we were talking about the King's Gambit earlier. So if you're playing someone maybe 400 play, uh, points higher than you, that's a good opening to whip out. Why not? You have nothing to lose. Yeah. All right. So if you want to help out the podcast, you can give us a like and a subscribe. It helps a ton. We've been seeing some good uh, growth on uh, pod- on the podcast, not just the YouTube stream. And so uh, we thank you very much for that. Uh, If you are on YouTube, a like and a subscribe is very helpful. Spotify, if you could review us, subscribe to us, and uh, any way to support us is greatly helpful. Um, Also, check out one of those free courses that I mentioned at the top. Just go to chessgoals.com, and we would be very, very grateful. If you want to listen to the podcast live and feed us questions, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, and we will notify you uh, when we go live. We started a little bit early today, so it's nice that we had some people in chat to help us out um what else matt
1: i'm glad we got that sprinkler recommendation i think that really saved
0: us (laughs) yes you go for the sprinkler and cause all the water damage i love it um coming up in the next week or so is the freestyle chess tournament i am really excited to see what they do do with this this is magnus's event uh, somewhere in germany but a lot of big names there really curious to see what they're going to do i think it starts on the 9th so that's going to be on friday um yeah we'll just see what happens uh i i have high hopes for it yeah it should be pretty cool it's really too bad they couldn't get uh, naka but we will we will live with what we get
1: this was something that uh, eric talked about on his perpetual chess podcast it just made me think of it chess.com made that proposal to FIDE to run the world championship. Did you hear about that?
0: Yeah, I did. I did hear that. But FIDE basically told him no.
1: Yeah. And they were asking Eric why that was. And Eric said it was a 10-year deal. And Chess.com was sort of going to control everything, including the format, the prizes, the sponsors, the production of the TV and everything. So essentially, it's like it's FIDE rated, but Chess.com runs the show and they disagreed on the format and it sounded like chess.com was essentially saying we want to make this completely different from the traditional classical slow format 21 days long or whatever it is they wanted faster games in a shorter tournament Um, and fide wasn't a big fan of that Mm,
0: i can i can see fide not being a fan of that um they have different motives uh, chess.com has a profit motive, for sure. They're a privately held company, and you know if they aren't making profit, they can't pay their people. On top of that, that's what Magnus says. <laughs> Magnus wants shorter games, uh, more games, some Rapid in there. I think he has a massive advantage in Rapid, even bigger than Classical. So I wonder if that was a play to get Magnus back in the championship cycle. Um, I think Fide is there to kind of protect the, the sanctity of the World Chess Championship. If they if they changed all the rules, it would look very different. Um, it's interesting though. I'd still love to see it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong.
1: I think it'd be cool to have a sort of rapid world champion. 90 plus 30, 60 plus 30, and that's that's all it is. Play two games in a day, even.
0: Yeah, or maybe maybe like game 45 and you play. Three games a day, and just goes really quick. I think that'd be that'd be really. I don't know. I think that'd be a really exciting tournament.
1: I think the hard thing is, currently, for whatever reason, a lot of players, a lot of chess fans, don't watch rapid chess. Like the Pro Chess League, doesn't get a ton of viewers, but they had so many top players in it. Whereas Title Tuesday gets a lot of viewers, and the classical stuff gets a lot of viewers. So for whatever reason, fans don't tend to watch rapid. It seems. Yeah,
0: and I think the rapid games are really instructive because players are playing on instinct, but they're still doing some calculation. And those lo- those games are super high level, and you still get some real prep and stuff. Um, yeah. And yeah, Chess.com actually just canceled the Pro Chess League. It is no more.
1: It's kind of sad. I mean, it was a good run, but I get it. There were so many teams, and there's so ma- there are so many chess events out there. It was just hard to follow at all.
0: Yeah, a logistical nightmare. Um, but it was fun following uh, like the Minnesota Blizzard back in the day. Yeah. We had we had Bartholomew Nagel Tang, a few others I can't remember. Um, I know, but yeah, I that was, was fun. They I subbed well for too. a
1: little bit. Yeah, I I played at least one match. Oh, did you? How'd you do? Bad. It was real. It was really hard <laughs> because you have to play all these <laughs> top players. Like it was okay. terrible.
0: Were you Were you it? for?
1: Yeah, that was the last word.
0: Uh, That is wild. Uh, We should go rediscover those games.
1: I knew you were going to (laughs) say that.
0: (laughs) Did you play anyone good? I mean, you must have.
1: For whatever reason, I'm just kind of blanking on the whole experience. I should go dig up those games, though.
0: Yeah. How long ago do you think that was?
1: Ten years, at least.
0: Okay, well, you, you were a master at that point,
1: right? Uh, I might have still been 2100. Okay. I, I definitely wasn't a good strategic pick because you, you could get play. like juniors that were rated 2000 or something. I don't know that there, there was some bonus if you had like a junior or I think a female player on your team. So I wasn't ever the best strategic pick, but there was one match where they just kind of needed someone last minute and I was able to play.
0: Okay. Interesting. I didn't know you ever played in that.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a one-time thing. I mean, title Tuesday, I get crushed when I play titled Tuesday, so it's not really that fun.
0: Yeah, there's some really, really strong players. Uh, it's like everyone in that. I, I don't know. I think what what titles would be below national master that you would even play against, like candidate master.
1: I mean, CM if you don't live in the US could be higher than NM than my title because it's twenty one hundred feet eh?
0: Yeah,
1: you know, That's pretty close though. But yeah, yeah that's a
0: tough tournament.
1: It's one of the lowest. And then the problem I had too is I always assume fifty percent of my opponents cheat. So what are you <laughs> going to do? Your best best results fifty percent.
0: Oh man, everyone accusing everyone of cheating. Uh, I wonder if we will ever know the truth of how how many people actually cheat. How rampant it actually is. Um, yeah. qu- question for you, Matt. Do you remember the strongest player you've played over the board and or online?
1: great question I've played thinking in terms of at the time I played them ims were the highest I've faced but I've played tang who's now a GM um he's probably the strongest player that I faced at one point over the board who has like the highest rating later on is tang okay. in terms of current you know at the time I played them maybe John Bartholomew that's what I was gonna classical. say. He's been like twenty four
0: fifty for you know twelve years or maybe even longer. I know you've you've had some good uh good games against him. I think you I think you did a video actually on one game you played with him.
1: Yeah. So usually when I played like since he's been really good, um, there was a stretch where we were similar age and similar rating growing up because he's I think one year younger than me. Lived in Minnesota, still does, but I try to play super aggressive like we just talked about. Whenever I play John, <laughs> because he's so solid. I don't want to go into a grinding game. So usually when I play him, he beats me in like 20 moves. <laughs> like he just <laughs> shuts down my bad attack and then it's over.
0: <laughs> That's funny.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, John, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the podcast, uh, promote your uh, Scandy course you've been working on. Uh, if you guys want to have some inspiration, go to John's Twitter. I think it's Finns0905 or something like that. And he posts this ongoing thread of how much time he's put into the Scandi course he's working on. It's like three hundred and sixty hours or something like that. And he wants to get it out the door pretty soon. So, John, when that ships, let us know. We'll have you on the podcast.
1: Who's the strongest player you've ever faced online or over the board?
0: Um, strongest player? I, oh, I have a. I played Andrew Tang in a Simul, and I beat him he was doing a, a twitch stream and he's I mean, he probably playing like 40 games all different horde, you know different variants and i had just played, i had just done a deep dive on this opening that we went exactly into so this uh-huh. is exactly what you're talking about playing a low rated player so i uh i had uh it was d4 c4 and i just had like a really easy position and was like kind of had the initiative it was still like completely equal, and I had nothing. And then he hung his queen. He dropped a, a king and queen fork and he resigned. <laughs> uh, so that's the strongest player I've ever played online. That was before he was a GM. Strongest player I've played over the board. Um, I don't think I've never played you over the board. It's probably Justin. He's a little over 2000 at the time I played him.
1: I was just thinking Justin. Yeah.
0: Yeah, in an official game, I'm pretty sure that's right. Oh yeah, Yay. I have also played Eric Rosen and lost. Um, I haven't played Ben Feingold. Yeah, Preston J played him during uh, their Twitch streams. That's pretty cool. Oh, I have played uh, John Bartholomew too. I I got selected randomly uh, in one of his streams, and uh, it was a it was a blitz game, and I was doing fine, but I pre moved to capture that was a bad pre-move for some reason i, I can't exactly remember the details but uh, yeah I, I remember i like uh i pre moved to capture but then he played the wrong move i can't remember exactly what happened but it ended up just being like a mouse slip bad you know but i was gonna lose anyway so <laughs> give me a wrong you
1: should, you should share those games that would be cool we need yeah, to find all these games we discuss and then post them in discord
0: yeah, I'll, I'll I'll see if I I'm sure I can drum it up on.
1: That just reminded uh, me, me I did see. play Eric Hansen one time when he was drinking on stream and I beat him, <laughs> like he was drunk on stream, <laughs> completely drunk. And I was just like, I gotta get a game in here against him.
0: <laughs> that was great.
1: So you played 1-1900 right. in your USCF career and one eighteen hundred Rob New shoots.
0: Oh yeah, he crushed me. Uh, the nineteen hundred must have been Justin, is that right? I thought he was even higher. I thought he was closer to 2000.
1: 1972. So pretty close. Oh, okay. And you played three 1700s Roy, Kevin, and Brian Davis.
0: And I'm two of three. Ooh. Or actually, against Kevin, I think I'm one and one against him.
1: No. Wait, this says you're three and oh.
0: Three and oh. No, that can't be right. Against Kevin?
1: No, it says you beat Roy.
0: Yeah,
1: you beat Kevin. Okay, and you beat Brian Davis. You're three and zero against seventeen hundreds.
0: Oh, nice. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember the Brian Davis game. I'll have to look that up. When was it?
1: (laughs) This was at some tournament called Master List, June fourth, twenty nineteen.
0: Master List.
1: Let's see. You were twelve eighty seven. Twelve seventy eight at the time, and you beat him. You had a half point by round one. You beat him round two, and then you lost to Tim Shimke and Rob Newshoots.
0: Oh, that was my second tournament ever. Then,
1: wow, that's such a huge win. Twelve seventy eight, and you beat uh, a seventeen twenty.
0: Well, I don't. I don't remember that at all. That one must have been devastating for that guy. That's 500 yeah. points right there.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you are provisional, too. He's probably like, this guy's new and he's 1,200.
0: I'll have to... <laughs> yeah, I did pick early. Okay, I'm going to have to dig these games up. I have them all saved.
1: Yeah, we need to do this. Okay, I suppose... Let me look. 1,250. I'm seeing who the highest rated USCF I've played. Oh. Okay, I didn't realize he was this strong. Um I played Alton Chella. He's an IM, but he was rated 2610 USCF and we drew. Oh wow. But there's a qualifier to that. He was like temporarily in the US and I I need to ask my parents the details on this. I became friends with him and he was like teaching me a little bit and he kind of stayed at our house for a, a stretch. While living in Minnesota, so I got paired with him, and he just like gave me the draw. I need to find the game, and I was so excited because I gained—I don't even remember how many rating points for drawing a twenty-six hundred. <laughs> but it was not a legit game. He just took the draw.
0: Okay, I found the game. If you want to look through it real quick,
1: yeah, let's see it.
0: All right, apologies for audio-only listeners. If you want to end the podcast now, you hear sure Cam. All right, this is my second ever tournament. So this is probably my my sixth game OTB. And it's me against a 1726. I was uh 20 or no, 12, what, 1240 at the time, 1220?
1: Yeah, maybe say the moves as you play them. And then if you're listening on audio only, this is a challenge for you to visualize it.
0: Yeah, just uh go over it in your head. D4, D5. Okay, so I'm playing the London. Early c5, protect with c3. Knights come out, bishop comes out. Okay, that must be some theoretical move. h3, castles, push Okay, that's a mistake. I don't think you should push there. Mm. Drop the bishop back, okay. I bet I play queen e2 here. Okay, bring the knight out first. Okay, now i got to play e5 here, right? Yeah, E4 e4 is the
1: critical break.
0: Okay, I was a little scared of that.
1: A3 is okay, good. He, you're, you're blocking his uh, B4 push.
0: Okay. E4. Solid. Takes, takes. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Kicks the bishop. That looks like a mistake. I mean, it's telling me it's a mistake. Do I Inaccuracy. just drop it? Yeah, inaccurate. Do you think I just drop it to H2? Okay. Keep the bishop. That's a nice piece. Takes, takes. Um, I'm already not really liking this for black, I mean. It's a little uncomfortable. can okay, bring the bishop out. I think I got to take here. Oh, rook. I over. like rookie okay. one.
1: Yeah, let him take you if he wants to.
0: Okay. Take which way do I take? It's got to be the knight, right? I'll say king. <laughs> All right, queen over. Um, that doesn't really do anything though. I guess it. I guess it attacks the protects the knight again but now I'm kind of seeing these pawns aren't looking so good I wonder if d5 right here isn't good
1: oh yeah. yeah I think he wants to queen side castle and d5 if you can get it in maybe he can still castle I know
0: myself well enough that there's no chance I played d5 here that's way too risky of a move I bet I played queen I bet it's either queen e2 or queen f3 if I had to guess I don't think you... I have the I don't think I have it in me to play d5 in this position but that's what I would play today
1: Queen h5 and knight g4 are attempting. Okay.
0: Oh, there you go. Queen h5. I like that move. Okay, castles queenside. Now okay, what would I play in a game here? I probably play a4. Try to break up those pawns. Or -hmm. maybe take this, maybe take this pawn. No, I
1: don't think so.
0: (laughs) Okay, rook okay, sure. Rook over. Not quick, but that's fine. Ooh, that's a nice move, though. I have to play bishop back here because I don't want his knight in. Oh, wait, is there a tactic here? If I take... Because hmm. I don't want to take here and let him plop his knight here forever.
1: But you know what? His knight doesn't do anything from there, so you can ignore it. Maybe like, you I'd, could take maybe. and play rookie 5 if you wanted.
0: I bet i take. Oh okay I er, I was going to say I bet I'd drop my bishop back because I didn't want his knight in here.
1: So in this in this scenario I probably would trade because now look at your bishop compared to his. And oh, I'm not yeah. afraid of knight b3. I don't really care if the knight sits on b3. Okay, bishop over. Knight up, queen
0: over. Wash the pawn, Jesse. Got to play f Oh, yeah, maybe 93 is a nice move, but I bet I play F3 here. Yeah, shoot. Um, But he has no dark square bishop, so putting pawns and light squares, that's not terrible.
1: Yeah, should be fine.
0: Are we sure I win this game, <laughs> by the way? <laughs> okay, Hopefully. knight back. Oh, oh, no, I thought that was a piece, but no, obviously the rook still defends. Okay, getting my knight in. Careful, tricky. Sees it. Okay. Can't really. Can I go here? I mm-hmm. don't know. The knight's not really doing anything here. I maybe like need to reroute it or something. That's you're not a good for... square for the. It's not a good square for the knight though. Because what's what are we doing? Are we I think going you're going, going for B
1: three. You want B three and open his king up. I bet.
0: I mean, there's no way I go B three here. There's no chance. Oh, now he's pushing me around. Queen G3. Okay, he's gonna push again, I bet. Yeah. Queen F2, I'm sure. Oh, Queen back up. Oh, attacking this pawn, that's kind of tricky to defend.
1: What if you oh. do lose this game?
0: <laughs> I might. I, I honestly don't remember this game at all. Okay, knight f5, good move. But I'd pluck my uh rook there if I had to guess. Okay, this is a long game. This is move 32, and, like, nothing has happened.
1: What if you lost this game, Jesse? And it was reported as a win for USCF, and we discovered it live on YouTube.
0: That'd be kind of great.
1: Until St. Louis hears about it.
0: (laughs) Okay, now I'm starting to pile up on the pond. Oh, okay. I'm just going to play through these pretty quickly because I don't have any idea what's going on here. Check here. Check. Oh, I'm getting really sandwiched here. I think I lose this game.
1: (laughs) Are you sure it's the right? What was your opponent's name? Brian Davis?
0: Brian Davis. Oh, that check. Oh, I do remember this game. You I don't what, have the you? I don't have the whole PGN though because the we ran out of time. Oh, I remember this guy now. Yes, this was a doctor. This okay. is the first game back in a long time. Okay. Okay, I'm so sorry, but I don't have the whole PGN. I already know. So I'm just gonna skip through this. Um uh, yeah. So, oh no. Okay. So what happened here is I didn't have the whole the whole PGN, but um, th- I kind of like recreated it from memory. So I think I stopped annotating around here, um, but I basically just let these pawns roll, and I did this exactly, and got the checkmate. So I did come back and win this game. But now I remember it.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> What a win. Wow. It took me like it only took 55 moves to, for me to figure out what's going on.
1: <laughs> Jesse flagged an old guy who hadn't played in years. Rude.
0: Hey, I didn't flag him. This was this these are the moves, boys. <laughs> All Great right. Game. That was fun Great. to go back and go over. Uh yeah, I think I think I was talking to him before and he said it was his first game in like 20 years. Oh wow. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's impressive, too, because I think ratings were lower then than they are now for same skill level. Like, it was yeah. hard to be a 1700 20 years ago. Harder than it is now, I would say.
0: Here's one tactic I remember from the game, going back to it. So here okay. I played this knight check and then check queen with check. But really clever is this move.
1: Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's so pretty.
0: And look at this. You can give up the whole world. Either of these is checkmate. Wow, that's the one thing I remember from <laughs> this game.
1: Would you knight mate him there, or would you go rook takes rook?
0: I will give him the queen.
1: Give him the queen, and then mate him.
0: Maybe you'll take him. <laughs>
1: that's so good.
0: That's like alrighty, everyone. That's gonna do it for the podcast. Thanks for going on this uh, old journey. That was my first real solid win over the board. Seventeen. What'd you say? Seventeen. 20-something?
1: Yeah. The page isn't loading now. <laughs>
0: 1750 or something like that. All right. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Sorry for the audio people who uh, didn't get to see the game at the end, but watch the video on YouTube or uh, on on uh, inside of Spotify. Thanks for listening, everybody. Again, if you could give us a like and a thumbs up, that would be greatly appreciated. And we'll see you next week.
1: Thanks, everyone. See you later. Thanks.
0: See ya.